0: Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 36 through 39. And then we're going to mosey on over to the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Again, Ezekiel 23, 36 through 39. Then Malachi 2, 10 through 13. The Lord said, Moreover unto me, Son of man, wilt thou judge Ahola and Holibah? Yea, declare unto them their abominations. Anytime you see that word abomination, it is something that God strongly detests. It's something that God gets very passionate and zealous, vehement, emotionally about. And so anytime you're reading that word, it's good to find out what that word is attached to and try to abstain as far as away you can from that. And I don't want anything of abomination in my life. And there are sins, all sin is sin, no sin will enter into heaven. But there's some things that God has very strong passion about. And I'll just throw this in there just for, you know, you could read later when you read about six things that the Lord doth hate. In Proverbs chapter 6 says, yea, seven are abomination to him. And it goes through this long, this long list, it's a list of seven. But when it says yea, seven, it means the seventh in particular is what I'm referencing to. It says, he that soweth discord among brethren. God hates six things, but the abominable thing to him is basically people that cause division. You never want to be a gossiper in the church, in case you ever think that the church is like you know likes to pin and corner particular sins uh, that are you know like murder and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a big deal. But God says you know it's an abomination to me is when you backstab your brother with your words. And so we got to make sure that we always look for that word abomination and slow down and read what's going on around there. That's just some free advice if you want to look in your Bible reading later. But verse 37, it says that they have committed adultery and blood is in their hands. And with their idols have they committed adultery and have also caused their sons whom they bear unto me to pass for them through the fire to devour them. God is going through things that he is strongly against, strongly opposed And you could try to pocket one thing here that you would like to say is the abomination. And uh, you could fuss and cuss and slice and dice it later. But there's a strong passion God has for children. And when he sees parents letting their children go through the fire and be given up as cannon fodder, God's not in favor of that. We, as parents, must take care of our children And God says, you're giving your children. I never asked you to sacrifice your child. I never asked you to put on the altar and slay them. Why would you do that And for these other gods? And so these parents are literally killing their own children as devotion unto their God. And we don't live all that differently in this day and age in modern day America where we sacrifice our children or we abdicate all responsibility and just kind of hand them off to whomever and whatever and just watch them be sacrificed amongst this world. Not just that, but even abortion itself that we just kind of hand and sacrifice children by the millions every year. Before we think we're all print proper and dignified, we still have the same base, wicked, evil nature that stems all the way back to the fall of man. But God, who is rich in mercy, again, wants to pull us out of that. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. And we go on reading here in verse 38. Moreover. This they have done unto me. They've defiled my sanctuary in the same day and profane my Sabbath. Sabbath was the most sacred day, most, the most holy day to the Jews, to God's people. It was the seventh day that God rested from his works. And God sanctified that day after he made the earth, after he made man and saw it was good. And a command was given. And in fact, it is... The longest expounded command of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath day. And God says, you have defiled, you have profaned my Sabbath day. You've defiled my sanctuary in the same day. Verse 39, when they had slain their children to their idols, then they came the same day, someone say the same day, into my sanctuary to profane it. And thus have they done in the midst of my house. Malachi chapter 2 verses 10 through 13. Have we not all one father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has dealt treacherously. An abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the holiness of the Lord, which he loved. If the Lord loves holiness, we ought to love holiness. Someone say amen. And hath married the daughter of a strange God, the Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar. It doesn't matter how high up you get in your intellect, in, in the platforms of your world, God will cut you down to size if you do that which opposes to him out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done, again, someone say again, with to have an altar, to have a response to the word of God. To, to, if you're just wondering what happens at the end of a sermon, we give the opportunity for people to respond to the word, to apply the word. And it's when we come forward and we pray together, As a people, not that anything is all that different geographically from where you're seated to where we stand up front here. But something happens when your mind is brought into submission, your body's brought into submission. You step out. say, you know what? I'm going to go forward with what was preached. I'm going to march towards that word and I'm going to stand there and I want to apply the word into my life. I want to respond to God's word in my life. And so in Malachi, chapter two. He says, "You're covering the altar of the Lord with tears again. You're covering the altar of the Lord with weeping again. You're coming to the altar and crying out again, but insomuch that God regards not the offering anymore or receives it with good will at your hand. How perplexing that may be when God keeps calling for it, they bring it, and God doesn't want anything to do with it. Makes you kind of scratch your head and wonder, like, what in the world, God? I I thought you want me to cry out to you. I thought you want me to pray. I thought you want me to come to the altar. Why, Why would you say, I don't want it? And it's because he says this statement here in verse 13. You've done it again and again and again and again. It is a vicious cycle of dysfunction or disobedience that happens over again and again. And again, and God says, we need to get this fixed. You don't just come to church for a moment just to have an experience and then to go back out to your other experience and pick it back up again. When we come to the altar, we bring a sacrifice to God and we turn away from the things of this world and the things that we've been bound by and say, God, I don't want to pick this up Again, I want to pray about this. I want to repent about it. I want you to forgive me. And I'm believing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will liberate and set me free. I take our attention back to Ezekiel 23. And I read these two scriptures again before we pray. And that is verse 38 and 39. It says, they defiled my sanctuary. Some say in the same day. They profaned my Sabbath, slaying their children to idols. And then they came, some say the same day. Into my sanctuary to profane it. Thus they have done in the midst of my house. I just want to speak to you for the next few moments. About the same day as Sunday. The same day as Sunday. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for this moment, this opportunity, this privilege to be gathered together with your people. They are the sheep of your pasture, Lord. And you have allowed me the opportunity, the privilege to speak the word today. And I pray, God, that I do not get in the way. I pray that I can be an open channel, a vessel, a conduit that you could work through. And I pray you open up ears to hear the word of the Lord today. I pray you take scales off of eyes to see in the spirit today and give us a sensitive mind, a sensitive heart to respond appropriately to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Someone say in Jesus' name. The same day as Sunday, God was aggravated because the same day that they would come to God's house would be the same day they would perform vile acts. The same day designated to bring honor. And glory to God. And to worship Him. And to give sacrifice and obeisance and adoration to Him. Was the same day they would sacrifice their child. They would bring a lamb sacrifice to God. But no sooner, no later than the lamb sacrifice, they would go and find their child and go to a false god like Molech. And they would tie and bind their child and place them on the hands of a strange god made of brass with a, a cavity in the belly. An open wet place where they would set a fire and the heat would transfer from the pit of the belly to those brazen arms. And it would combust the child in hand that they just bound to a false God after being in the sanctuary of God. I pray in the name of Jesus that all of us are disgusted by that very act, that we would be appalled that a nation would stoop to that level. But remember, you have the same components as they have. You are flesh and blood just as they are flesh and blood. And somehow, some way. There are things that transcend over time into today's world. Are there still sacrifices and gods that people bow down to that are graven images in this society and overseas? Yes. We don't see it in our country to this magnitude and to this extent in the most literal form of how we read it here. But we see it, as I mentioned, where people... Give up their child and give up their family and give up hope and put it on an altar to watch it burn and die. And on the very same day, can so calmly walk into the house of God. And and so easily somehow lift up a hand. And sing a song. And sway. And everything's alright. And everything's wonderful. And everything looks good on the outside. And you shake hands. And you smile. You pat on the back. You, you go out to eat at Paige's place. Everything's good. But not too far after from that church service. Not too far after from that altar call. There's... Another altar that you go to, there's another altar that you visit and all of a sudden there is a strange fire that goes forth that God says, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? You, You were just at my place. You were just at my sanctuary. You were just, you were just singing to me. You were just telling me how much you love me. You were, you were telling me how much you care about me. What, what in the world is happening? And it shocks God the first time, maybe even the second time, maybe even the third time. But after the ongoing pattern of week after week after week, God says, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm not really your God, am I? I'm just I'm just this little like, you know. Uh, ornament that you put on your dashboard. I'm just one of these little bumper stickers that you put on the back of your vehicle. I'm just one of those bracelets, little WWJD on your wrist. I, I'm just one of these emblems that you like to carry around to give people a thought about you. Uh, is that really all that you've reduced me to? Because you don't even give that much of your family to me in church. But you'll give your family that much to the world. You'll give your wife, you'll give your husband, you'll give your children all to these other venues of this world so freely, so easily, so sacrificially. You'll withhold from when an offering plate comes around, but when it comes time for those athletics, it just, just seems to flow out of your hand so easily. It, 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 you, you have your reservations about you know bringing your kids and bringing your spouse. You have all your reservations about a church service, how much you're going to get into it, but you'll make the big treasure the big journey the long pathway to go to this place or that place and it gets quiet in church sometimes now we read in the bible about the sabbath day we are not seventh day Adventists. if you are not familiar with that is is on saturday is the sabbath day saturday is the day that the jews would rest and practicing jews continue to rest but we read in the New Testament that Jesus Christ, he did away with holy days. He was the fulfillment of the law. You can read about it later in Colossians chapter 2. There's also other books as well. But Colossians chapter 2 really, really just pinpoints it very easily, very simplistically. But we read here in the scripture that there's a shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament to those who give devotion to Jesus Christ. It says in Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's Day became the anthem of when people who follow Jesus would come together to worship Jesus. They would worship Jesus every day, just like we ought to worship Jesus every day. But they did single out a day to signal who they followed. They shifted from the Sabbath to the day that the Lord rose from the dead. Sunday, the Lord's Day. And John, the writer in Revelation 1.10 says, look, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. This, is, this Sunday is not S-U-N day. It's S-O-N day. It's, it's the, when the sacrifice was made. And that sacrifice came to life. And resurrected conquering death. Hell in the grave. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We rejoice. And we are glad in it. You see this play out throughout the New Testament scriptures. Acts 20 and verse 7. Upon the first day of the week. That's when the disciples came together to break bread. The, if you claim to want to be like our forefathers in the Bible, in the new Testament, as when the real people, the real disciples came together on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, Sunday, they came together to break bread. And what, what, what do we do besides have bread downstairs between services says Paul preached to them. We're just continuing the biblical tradition of what happened after Jesus' death, burial in resurrection we come together we break bread and we open the word of life and we preach the word of the lord and in case you want to go extra biblical or go you know a complete total biblical we can preach until the breaking of dawn I'll preach it at midnight but uh, I don't know how long we'd all last here today but 1 Corinthians 16:1 and 2 goes on explain now concerning the collection for the saints now, talking about offering time, just in case you think this is a modern-day phenomenon. The Apostle Paul says, when it comes time for offering, I've given orders, not opinions, not options, to the churches of Galatia. Even so do ye. When do we do this? Upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay him by in store. Meaning, you plan. You come ready to give that as God has prospered you. That there be no gatherings when I come. Meaning, you're not panicking. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Oh, my goodness, I forgot. You come ready. This is what we do in church. And it's not money that we come to church for. But there's other things we come to church for. We come to worship. We come to magnify God. We come to have fellowship one with another. We come to build each other up. We come to minister one to another. It's the first day. It's the Lord's day. But it's amazing what can happen on the same day as a Sunday. As it was in the Old Testament, the same day as their holy day, the same day as Sabbath day, there was vile things that would be performed. And if we are not careful, we can see that go on the same day as Sunday, which I hope I pray that when you come to this place, that you feel the presence of God, that you enjoy worshiping, that you enjoy praising God, that you feel a liberty, that you give a sacrifice of praise as unto the Lord. Sunday ought to be some sort of anthem tradition, a non-negotiable in your world. I would encourage you to solidify it as this is what happens. I, my family, my children, they know what happens on Sunday. It's never a question. You've heard my testimony before. I'm a prodigal. I was a backslider. I fought my mom and dad tooth and nail. I, I caused such division and problems in the home. I was a rebel. I was a devil. I, I did everything vehemently opposing the church. And I, the worst drug problem Problem I had was my mom drug me to church and my mom drug me to prayer meeting and my mom drug me to, to youth group. My mom drug me to every church service. They say, look, you don't pay the bills here. I do and they would drag my little four foot nothing carcass with a six foot circumference head and pull me to church every single time. I had no option. It didn't matter what venom came out of my mouth. Didn't matter what I spewed out. They brought me to the house of God. And though it seemed on the outward, nothing was breaking through and it almost just created more problems. I'm telling you, there were so many services I sat in where my inner person was trembling and I was receiving. Nobody around me could ever perceive something was going on. But I thank God that my parents had a tradition saying, I'm going to bring my children to the house of God because I only got one shot at this to expose them to the presence of God, to the word of God, to the spirit of God. But there were some things I did like about Sunday as a child. It was Dunkin Donuts day. In Southside Chicago, we had Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. And it was the only day my parents would buy Dunkin' Donuts. It was the only thing that got me out of bed besides my mom's long nails and my neck pulling me to church. Was I knew there was these slimy glazed donuts that awaited me. It was bait and switch. My parents, they, they were, they, I never caught on to their game, but they all somehow got me out of bed by me attacking those donuts. It was a Sunday tradition. Did anyone have a Sunday tradition growing up? All right, we've got two people, Sam and I and my daughter, Grace, we're the only ones with Sunday tradition This is all new for you. Y'all you are learning a tradition right now, but there was traditions and there's just things that you expect to be on a Sunday. I knew every Sunday afternoon it was nap time. That's why that's what Sundays were designed for for my parents. My dad worked construction. He would work 70, 80 hours a week, work through the night. But the Sunday was the Lord's day and he wanted to be still and know that he is the Lord and my dad would go out like a light. We had church in the morning and we had church in the evening. But between church, that, that church sandwich was made of a nap. And it happened every time. And I fought it. I resisted it. I took my naps at church. I would sleep under that pew as best I possibly could. Even as a teenager, I had no shame. I would just go to sleep in church. There's Sundays. People view Sundays differently. There's, it's, it's interesting. This day, as much as society, there's a counterculture You know, there's the argument whether North America or United States of America is a a, a Christian nation. And people were mad a few years ago when it was stated that it's no longer a Christian nation. And I would agree with that statement, that we could say it's a Christian nation, but that's just in word only. We're, We're so far removed from Christian morals and Christian fibers in our world today. But still, even with that, there's still something about a Sunday that's different. It's different than any other day of the week. Businesses operate differently and people function differently. Yes, there's businesses that carry on. There was a time and period where everything was shut down on that day. But people are different on that day. People reverence that day. And Sunday, Sunday, the same day as Sunday, the ascent that happens that should happen on a Sunday. No more than you have that ascent, there is a descent that follows after leaving from a church service. And it doesn't take long from being a saint. On Sunday to being a sinner just on Monday or maybe later that evening. Why is that? Why can you come to the house of God speaking in tongues, worshiping, shouting, dancing, happy, joyous, all these things. And then not too long thereafter, find yourself falling back into that vicious cycle of sin. It's it's important that we recognize this, that we speak words to it to help people to understand that there is that reality that takes place. And we got to understand that this is not the church of Las Vegas. What happens here should not stay here. We need to take what happens here and go outside of these walls and begin to live it and to reach the, our mission field. Proverbs chapter 23 in verse 29 through 35. I give us a little insight. This is not the full understanding, but just a quick insight here while I have your attention. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has babbling? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? The answer is they that tarry long at the wine. They that go seeking mixed wine. He's talking about drinking. He's talking about alcohol. And he says, don't look on that wine when it's red. It gives its color in the cup and it moves itself aright. There's something alive in there. There's something active in there. And in verse 32 It may bring some temporary joy, but at last it will bite you like a serpent. It will sting you like an adder. And your eyes will behold strange women and your heart shall utter perverse things. All of a sudden, when you are under that, the influence of that alcohol, you begin to do things. You lose control and you begin to perform perverse things and say perverse things. And he goes on to explain in verse 34, you'll be like the person that lies down in the midst of a sea that lays atop a mast, And you begin to say to yourself, man. They beat me. They struck me and, and, and I was not sick. They beat me and I didn't feel it. And then I awake. And after he comes out of his drunken stupor, after the hangover, what is his response to it? I will seek it yet again. It's what you call the spirit of addiction. Addiction. You know the outcome because you've done it over and over again. This is not just confined to alcohol. This is, con- this, this, this is attached to anything that you can become addicted to. And all of a sudden, you know the process. You know the pattern. And you know the woes. You know the regret. But somehow, someway, after snapping out of it, something is compelled in you to go right back to it, though you really don't want to, but you are bound by it. It is what happens when we come to church and we can enjoy the presence of God. We can love the presence of God and we're snapped out of our element. We're snapped out of our addiction. We're snapped out of our environment. But when you leave this place, it doesn't take very long to be around that environment again, knowing where it leads, knowing where it goes and something in you says, I got to seek it again. No matter how awesome church is, Galatians 1, 1 through 9, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man. But by Jesus Christ, God, the father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren that are with me to the churches of Galatia, he's talking about how this awesome call of God, he's talking about this awesome God, and he's talking about the people of God. And he says, all of this brings to you, verse three, the grace and peace that comes from God, the father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, this God that we serve, whose name is Jesus and this grace that he dispenses to us. He gave himself for our sins so he can deliver us. Us from this present evil world. And that's what I'm telling you right now, no matter how, how uh, wicked and bad your past may have been and no matter how bound you are presently God can deliver you from whatever evil that is in this world Jesus is not just the God of the Bible that ended when the last uh, scripture was penned on ink on paper I'm telling you this book is alive today and what you need today you can be delivered presently in this evil world Jesus loves you now and Jesus is ready to do a work this very Sunday. Can you lift your hands for just a moment? I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying here. Can we pray and ask God to speak to us in these next few moments? God, this is not by my might. This is not by my power. I cannot set somebody free. God, I do not have a power in me. It is you, Jesus. It's your blood. It's your grace. It's your mercy. We need you today. Someone say in Jesus' name. So here's this awesome message that Paul is declaring. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Somebody say amen. But after he seals it with an agreement. Of, so be it. I believe it. Let it be so. Verse 6. No sooner than you're dismissed in Jesus name. Everyone say amen. No sooner than that. Paul says I marvel. That you're so soon removed. So quickly, everything can change. The same day as Sunday. That Sunday service when the presence of God comes almost just like like a powerful wind through a tunnel. And it just floors you to the ground, the weeping, the tears, all that wonder, all that glory, all that majesty of God's presence. And once you get in that vehicle, it's no sooner. It's like Paul says, I marvel. What just happened from here to the parking lot? What just happened from the altar to those doors that you can be so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. But whatever it is you're pursuing, it's not another gospel. It can bring you no fulfillment. It can bring you no salvation. In verse 7, there's some that are troubling you and they're perverting the gospel of Christ. They're trying to twist the gospel and try to make it accommodate to your lifestyle. The gospel's not designed to accommodate your lifestyle. Your lifestyle's designed to become a living sacrifice. I am crucified with Christ so I can serve and walk in this gospel. The power of the gospel. Yes, it invite you to come as you are. But the power of the gospel does not keep us as we are. The power of the gospel is transformative. The power of the gospel says, look, I, this is how I found you, but look what I'm about to do with you. Just keep on walking with me. Keep on coming with me. But there's people that like to interject themselves, people of your circle, people that are friends, people that are family that would like to come alongside your Bible and give commentary. We we don't need private interpretation of the scripture. The Bible says no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. Don't invite extra biblical commentary from your peers, family, friends, and loved ones to begin to say, whoa, 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 no, no, you know. I told you before my mom and dad that were addicted to crack cocaine. My mom went to prison for attempted manslaughter. They Nobody nobody had nothing bad to say about my mom and dad. My mom, a, a, a Catholic. My dad, Baptist. They never went to church. They never read their Bible. None of that kind of stuff. They were just busy, you know, just breathing everything they could through their nose and being wasted every day, bound by alcohol on the verge of a divorce. None of the religious order had anything to say for them that day. But the moment they came to church... And all of a sudden, they came to an altar, weeping and crying, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Nobody told my mom and dad what to do. But they left that service. And they opened that freezer. And they took all that cocaine. And they began to flush it down the toilet. They got all that alcohol and poured it down. Nobody told them to do that. It was the gospel that liberated them. It was the gospel that set them free. You would think... Others would marvel and be excited, but not so much more than the next day well what 's wrong with you you, you didn 't have to do that i I, I believe in jesus too I, 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 Have I shared this story with you before when I, when I went to Bible college in indianapolis and 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 the the the, the area of the Bible college is pretty rough it 's pretty hood like lots of uh, homicides and and uh, germicides and pesticides all that kind of stuff it 's all there but I was I remember it was the last day as we were packing things up and moving to Watertown, South Dakota. And uh, I, I was friends with a number of gang members in that the, that community from outreach, and we had a good relationship. And uh, I, I asked two of them to help me pack my stuff as we we're heading heading to Watertown, South Dakota. And so we're packing up, and we went to rallies to celebrate. You all don't know what rallies is. It's those French fries are pretty miraculous, and other than that, it's it, it's not really that good. But rallies, if you ever see one, just pull over and you'll know what to do. But well, we went to rallies and we're celebrating, we're, we're eating, and all of a sudden this car, uh, it pulls in. It's like, boom, boom, it's like Jeremiah's vehicle on steroids. Boom, boom, spinning rims and p- fully blacked out, loaded, and it, it pulls in, and all of a sudden these guys come out and they lift their shirts and they got guns and they pull them out. And I'm like, oh, let me eat my fries real fast. I'm saying my last prayer, eating my last french fry, and they start you know saying all these nice exchange of words to the two guys that are packing my belongings and i 'm like this is this is my last meal and um, and all of a sudden they all start laughing, they thought it was funny and uh, and i was I was sitting there in my own mess, and they sit down and we're, they're talking and they start pulling out all this marijuana sitting on the table and i 'm just enjoying my french fries and um my friend uh, next to me, this gang member guy that was helping me pack, he's, like, real nervous. He's looking at me because he knows, like, this is very embarrassing to him because, you know, he's trying to keep his his uh, faith intact while all this marijuana is on the table. There's, there's devil's lettuce. And so all this is on the table. All this is going on. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the guy looks at my friend. He recognizes he's nervous. and He looks at me. He's like, what's wrong? You a cop? I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, I, I, I can't, I can't stand the police. You know, no, I didn't say that. I didn't say that, but I, I I'm sitting there, you know, nervous because now he, he turned on me and, and then he goes, no, 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 no. He, he, he's a preacher. He, he goes to Bible college. I mean, like, oh, you a Christian? I'm a Christian too. And he pulls up his pant leg and he shows me his Jesus tattoo and everything was okay because he had a Jesus tattoo. It's ridiculous. As that sounds, people live that way daily. They got the brand, they got the name, they got the faith, but there's no lifestyle to match with it. And we can shake our heads at some sort of gang banger like that. But I see a lot of clean sinners that come to church on Sunday all dressed got it right look like they got it together but no sooner than they walk it out they're gossiping They're abominable things coming out of their mouth talking trash about people in the church that ought not to be in the house of God. Look we do not pretend to be Christian we don't pretend to love Jesus just so we look good to to each other. We really love Jesus. And we really want to represent the name of the Lord. Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you perverting the gospel of Christ. And I had all these people telling my parents You don't really have to do that. You really don't have to give that up. See, they always liked having someone else a little worse off than they were. But the moment, like they turned things around and got better, then they turned on my parents. Don't don't let somebody pervert your gospel. Don't let somebody start speaking into your gospel the things that are not the gospel. Because Paul says it's not another gospel. He goes on to say so boldly in verse 8. He says, it doesn't matter if I myself or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you than what was preached to you. Let him be a curse. And I said it before. I'll say it again. If any man preach any other gospel to you than you have received, let him be a curse. That's how bold Paul was about it. He says, don't let anybody taint and pervert this gospel that's so precious, pure, and true the grace of God is a teacher you could jot this down I don't have it up there but it's Titus chapter 2 verses 10 through 15 when he talks about the grace of God that uh, uh, brings salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world that's what grace is grace is the greatest teacher on how to get broken free from this world so you can live as pure as grace is First Corinthians 16 15 you see that spirit of addiction can be traded. I beseech you, brethren. You know the house of Stephanus, the first fruits of Kai. They have addicted themselves. Someone say addicted. They addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That word "addicted" means to arrange in an orderly manner, to assign or to dispose, to addict, to appoint, determine, ordained. These people of this household. They begin to arrange themselves. In an orderly manner. They said look. I've been bound to this world. But I want to be bound to the church. I want to be addicted to church. I want to be addicted to ministry. I want to be addicted to my brothers and sisters in the church. I I want to be a part of something. I want to be involved. I was engulfed in this world. I was miserable in this world. I would run out to two three four in the morning. To the breaking of dawn in this world. I would go out and give myself to this world. But I want to be addicted. To the church. I want to be addicted to to the things of God. I know it sounds crazy. We just got back from family camp. You know what? We had eight services in four days, something like that. And now here we are. We have a ten o'clock service An eleven o'clock service. Ten services in 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 seven days. Eleven if you count last week. Twelve if you count both services. And then like tomorrow, I'm going to camp for five days, two services each day. That's like that's a lot of services. You know why I do that? Because I'm addicted. I'm addicted to church. I'm addicted to the presence of God. I'm addicted to the mission of God. I love it more than anything else. God changed me. God delivered me. I mean it wasn't it was not only 18 years ago that I was addicted to other things. 18 years ago I was addicted to pornography. 18 years ago I was addicted to video games. 18 years ago I was addicted to all sexual perversion. But I'm telling you what. God set me free and he gave me the greatest addiction the presence of God. There is no high greater than the most high. There's nothing greater than the sweet presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am thankful for my newfound addiction. I love the church. I love the family of God. I love the presence of the Lord. I ask you the same day as Sunday on the same day as Sunday how far faster how quickly does it take you to get as far as away as you can from everything that is going on in this room an addict can't get away from it an addict wants to be right up in it but so quickly we could leave and dispatch and run away and find ourselves in another gospel acts 14:19 i'm just about done in case you're worried There came thither certain Jews from Antioch, Iconium. They persuaded the people. There's always people trying to persuade the people. They stone Paul, drag him out of the city. They think he's dead. But verse 20, he gets up and he goes back into the city. He goes right back where they just stoned him. And then he goes back again to Lystra and Iconium, Antioch, verse 21. He goes to the same place he was rejected. He confirms the souls of the disciples And exhorts them to continue in the faith. That we must through much tribulation. Enter into the kingdom of God. And when they ordained them elders in every church. They had prayed with fast. And commended them to the Lord. On whom they believed. Paul. The same day he was stoned. He went right back to that rejection. And preached the truth. And encouraged people. But the same day. We could be in a Sunday. We can get so offended. So Hurt and walk a million miles the opposite direction, and Paul, on the same day of rejection, he went right back with the same message, and encouraged people in the church. Said, "Hey, we're going to go through stuff like this, but this is what it's all about. I'm addicted. I'm addicted to this. The struggle is real. Can happen to any of us. In case you think you will never teeter or totter or fall, First Corinthians ten twelve says." Let, he, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. As scary as that may sound, you don't have to fear. You don't have to give up because there's no temptation taking you, but such is common demand. I just serve notice to the feeling you feel that you're the only one going through it. The Bible says what you're going through is what people go through. Like all the thoughts in your mind about qu- quitting, giving up. I can't do this. I don't know how much longer. This is a common temptation. You're not the exception to the rule. You are human. But remember God is faithful and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But with the temptation, he will make a way to escape. Just remember your temptation always has company. You could feel in the temptation. That's the only thing. That's the only choice. That's the only thing I can do. I remember uh, uh, Pastor Paul Mooney in Indianapolis said it like this. He he used this illustration. Uh, there was some police officers that worked in the church. And the police officers just made this observation that anytime they ever, you know, went patrolling through the parks on after hours, there's always cars there doing things they shouldn't be doing. And uh, inevitably, they would find vehicles where, you know, guys and girls, recreation, I'll just leave it at that. And uh, they would shine the light in there, and all of a sudden the couple would be all startled and flabbergasted all that stuff, and they would immediately stop, and and the officer would write a citation, all that kind of stuff, a ticket, or tell them to leave. And the officer said, I've never had anyone ever say, I can't, I can't, I can't stop, I I, I just, I can't help myself. No, in the moment when they're caught, they always stop. Meaning there's, there's within the realm, of possibility for you to control yourself and restrain yourself. The thought is you're so tempted, so given to the emotion that you can't think clearly and then you, you just feel like it's the only thing to do, so I'm just go ahead and do it. But with every temptation, God makes a way of escape. And you don't have to wait till after giving in to the temptation to, to step away from it. In that temptation, you say, God, I know I'm tempted. I really feel this way. But in the name of Jesus, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Jesus, make a way to escape. In my temptation. There's always company in your temptation. Because it says in Jude one twenty four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. To present you faultless. God within the realm of all his power. Has the ability to keep you from falling. And to keep you faultless. In the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The same day. You came here on Sunday. The same day as Sunday. The same day you came lost. You can leave saved. The same day you came bound. You can leave delivered. The same day you came depressed, you can leave joyful. The same day you came sick, you can leave healed. The same day is Sunday. A couple verses, I'm done. John 20, 19 through 23. Someone say the same day. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week. The same day is Sunday. That very day Jesus rose from the dead. The doors are shut. The disciples are assembled. But this Sunday gathering is fear. It's a fear-based gathering. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes into the midst the same day, that Sunday, into this assembly, and he says, peace unto you. I bring you peace. I step into your fear as we are assembled together. And there might be elements of fear in this room. There might be elements of addiction in this room. There might be elements of depression in this room. This same Sunday, Jesus can step into this room right now and say, peace unto you. And when he had so said, he shows them his side, his hands and his side. And then the disciples, what happens? The disciples that were assembled for fear in verse 19, the disciples are now glad when they saw the Lord. The same day you come with your fear and your worry and your sin and your addiction and your struggle. I'm telling you, Jesus is walking into this room and he says, peace, peace. I give you not as the world gives you, but peace. I give you peace unto you. Verse 21, as my father has sent me, even so send I you when you came here in fear, but you're going to leave here like Jesus. You're going to leave here a representative. You're going to leave here an ambassador. You're going to leave here a living testimony. And Jesus said this unto them in verse 22. He breathed upon him and says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. You might have some other spirit on you, some spirit that may bind you, but when you come here assembled, though it may be in fear, I'm telling you, Jesus is in this room. And this same Sunday, you can receive the Holy Ghost. This same Sunday, Verse 23, your sins can be remitted. This Sunday, you can be baptized in Jesus' name. This Sunday, you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's stand together. Acts two thirty six through 41. So let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God has made that same Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. These people hear the message, they're pricked in their heart. They feel conviction. Anytime you ever feel conviction, be careful of that alternative voice that will say that church is a judging church. What a condemning church. No, God works through conviction. He wants you to feel convicted about something so you can confess to him in that courtroom. And he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you. But if we never feel the sting of our sin. See, the Bible says it is. It is the, the the long suffering of God. It's his long suffering. He gives us this time to repent, to make right with him. And it is this conviction that God gives to us. It's repentance that works unto salvation. Repentance is what prods us and says, man, something's not right. And when they felt convicted, they said, what do we do? Instead of keeping that question that feeling to yourself and letting it burn like a glowing ember where it turns into something bitter. Just say, what do I do with this? What do I do with what I'm feeling? And the preacher answers him. He says in verse 38, repent, ask God to forgive you and stop repeating that cycle of sin. That's what repentance is. It is a turning of direction, a change of mind Stop going on the holy day. Stop going on the Sabbath day pretending and then going right out on the same day. It's amazing what what families will do on the same day as Sunday. I remember one of the things that would get me to not really want to serve the Lord is I would see hypocrisy. What we would, the youth group would do. It, it, which is, it, my, my my response was incorrect. Just throw that out there in case any young people get bright ideas. Oh, you're hypocrites. I don't want to serve the Lord. No, stop it. Just stop it. But the deal is this. is I, I just remember, like, after watching the youth group all weep and wail and cry in the altar, then, like, they all leave and, like, I'll just leave it at that. I'm like, that's so stupid. Why, why do I want to be a part of that? Hypocrites. But just because someone does something wrong doesn't mean there's not a right way to do it. Just because a mother abuses a child doesn't make all mothers wrong. There's people who live their faith wrong. But there is a pure faith. There are sincere people. And I'm telling you, there's a great... This is such a wonderful group of people here. None of us are perfect, but I'm telling you some of the most remarkable stories of people that have laid it out on this altar and left this place saying, God, I need you. And they would mess up, and they would come back not justifying their mistake, but saying, Pastor, help me. Help me. I really want to break my alcohol addiction. I really want to break this, this marijuana addiction. I really want to break this pornography addiction. And I'm telling you right here in this room is the power of God to set you free, to deliver you. Do not settle for the lie that would pervert the gospel and say you got to stay and you're always going to stay that way. It's okay to, no, I'm telling you, Jesus, if he can open a blind eye, if he can pop open a deaf ear, if he can raise from the dead on the third day, do you think it's within the realm of God's ability to step into your life and fix your marriage? Do you think it's within the realm of God's power to deliver you from pornography? I'm telling you, yes. I stand as living Proof that God spared my marriage. I stand as living proof as God delivered me from pornography. I stand as living proof that I've been sober for 18 years. I'm telling you right now, God has all power and He loves you, and it is His good pleasure to help you and your family and your children. And the Bible says, Peter says, repent, be baptized. Some of you know, every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. And the promises, he'll give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the promises for you and your children. And to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. So after he preached that, and after you just heard it, the response went something like this in verse 41 The they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day. They were added unto him 3,000 souls. It's what you call same-day delivery. Just like that. God has a power. You don't have to go through an 82-week course to find freedom in this church. I'm telling you, eight seconds in the presence of God can liberate you. I'm Just a moment of just stepping into this river of God can give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you're here, I don't know what your need is. I don't know how this sermon applies to you other than I know this, that it applies to everyone here that has a need and whatever your need is, if you would simply come this same day, you can be delivered this day. You can be encouraged this day. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost this day. You can be forgiven this day, whatever it is, whether you've been in the church for 20 years or whether this is the first time you've ever been in the house of God. I'm telling you, Jesus is here. And if you are hungry and you need something from God, I invite you to come to this front. We're going to pray together right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I feel the presence of God. He is in this place. He is in this room and he is ready. He is willing. He is more than able to perform the miraculous in your life here today. If you so desire it, you don't have nothing to be ashamed of, Nothing to be embarrassed about. No one here is going to make fun of you. No one's going to mock you. No one's going to laugh at you for lifting your hands. No one's going to look at you and point fingers for you crying. I'm telling you, in this room are people that are hungry for God. And if you're hungry and if you're thirsty, Jesus will feed you his righteousness. Right now, would you lift your hands? Would you give me to pray? Begin to pray right now. Come on do more than just repeat words that you hear, let it be your voice let it be your mouth, let it be your prayer, I'm just a man, I can't forgive you of your sins, I, I have no power to do that I'm telling you, but there is a power in this room, that if you open your mouth and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ he'll spread your sins as far as the east is from the west, right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray Lord that your very presence would sweep into this room God, Lord I do not know all the needs that are represented in this altar. But I ask and I pray in the name of Jesus do what only you can do. Jesus, you're the only one that died for our sins. You're the only one that was buried for our sins. And you're the only one that rose from the dead for our sins. And I pray right now by the power and the authority that you have God. Lord, open up the windows of heaven and let your presence assure into this room. Lord, every sick body that is here, the same day they can be healed. Every sorrowful soul that is here, the same day they can leave with joy unspeakable and full of glory I pray it in the name of Jesus come on that's it. The same day. Come on. This could be a same day delivery. This could be a same day healing. This could be a same day right now in the name of Jesus. God, I don't want to live in this cycle. I don't, I'm tired of the, having the life of a same day on Sunday, going back to my addiction. I'm tired of a same day Sunday, going back to what binds me. I'm tired, Lord, of on the sun, same day as Sunday, going back to the pit. I came out of today, today. I pray you set a soul free today I pray you liberate someone right now in the name of Jesus come on that's it open up your heart open up your soul Jesus is here right now he's here right now don't settle don't settle don't settle for less when Jesus can give you everything Jesus can give you total complete absolute freedom in this house Lord let it be so that's it let there be a lifting of the voice Come on, cry out to God.